I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone. This is Boyd Matheson. I think. I think I'm still the editor of the Deseret News. <laughs> Hopefully, I am. Uh, hope you're having a fantastic Monday. Uh, we've been covering a lot of ground today. Uh, do want to just uh, pause for a moment and uh, note the passing of Norma Matheson, former first lady of the great state of Utah. She died today at the age of 89. Uh, wife of uh, former Democratic Governor Scott Matheson. She's uh, also the mother of four children, including Democratic Congressman Jim Matheson and Federal Appeals Court Judge Scott Matheson Jr. And she really was a uh, a great lady, passionate in the cause, fiercely loyal to her family. And uh, I would often point out she was sort of the Barbara Bush of Utah's Democratic Party. Uh, she was classy. Uh, she was proud. Uh, she was, as I said, fiercely loyal uh, to her family and to the cause uh, and just did a lot of good. She really elevated that role of first lady here in the state of Utah. So our condolences and best wishes uh, and a flood of happy memories uh, to her family and extended family as they mourn her passing. Uh, former first lady Norma Matheson uh, passed away again to, today at the age of 89. Uh, we've also been uh, cruising through all of the different uh, aspects of the interwebs and the Twitterverse. Uh, and as always, when we're looking for perspective as it relates to the uh, pop culture things, we always turn to uh, Herb Scribner. Uh, Herb, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Boyd. On a Monday. I know. I'm, I'm liking this chair. I'm getting used to it. I'm really getting used to it. I love it. Uh, what's good? Well, we always say that this show should take everybody from wonky things about politics all the way to pop culture and everything in between. So we appreciate you pulling us towards the uh, the pop culture side of the house. And uh, today we're gonna we're gonna merge those two lanes a little bit uh, and talk about what happened to the interwebs <laughs> during during the uh, Mueller hearings uh, last week. What did you see? Yeah. Um, so there's actually this new report out from um, you know Axios and, and Newswhip. They're kind of doing another one of those reports and. It was talking about how like the Mueller hearings had like 14.3 million interactions um, based on you know articles shared and stuff, and that is like more than um, Game of Thrones had during its kind of uh, whoa whoa run. whoa whoa whoa. Now the Mueller hearings mm. were like watching paint dry. I mean that was <laughs> that was not uh, Game of Thrones material. But you're saying they had 14.3 million interactions yes. and and how many did game of thrones have game of thrones had 10.2 um 
and as you know, as someone who's watched Game of Thrones this last season was kind of a it, it didn't go very well. So I could see <laughs> it why didn't people, end well, clearly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that kind of turned people off. Um I don't think it, it ended well for Mr. Mueller either, as if no. we're if we're really evaluating how the uh, series turned out. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean and then even you know, something else it, a good another good comparison here is Mueller had the fourteen point three million for the House hearings. Um Avengers Endgame, which, as you know, I'm very well versed in. Um, <laughs> Only because for those of our listeners who don't know the great Herb Scribner, Herb went through 60 hours uh, of movies consecutively. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, getting ready for Avengers Endgame. So you know a thing or two about extended series. Yes. So, yeah. So that, that you know, that only got 10.5 million interactions. And that was, like, really? the culmination of, like, two decades or a decade worth of movies. Wow. So... But it's funny because even if you look at these numbers, like the House hearings, 14.3 million um, interactions, big number. But then if you look at when the report came out, mm. it was more like 30.1 million. Oh, interesting. So that's like a whole other thing. And I think that, you know, this article kind of goes into how it has to, you know, a lot of people are opinionated about Mueller. Both sides, yeah. you know, have these. So we've talked about before about how these things on social media, emotion plays a big factor. Right. And people clearly have an emotion. They clearly have feelings about Mueller one way or the other. Yeah. Which is why it's such a it's such an ongoing thing. Yeah. And and fascinating, too, in the end, I don't think uh, the hearing itself really ended up moving the needle for everyone kind of saw what they wanted to see. Right. Um, so most of those interactions uh, probably go back to what we saw in the, uh, the conversation we were having earlier around uh, Arthur Brooks' article. Uh, that, again, we've got a small number of people that are generating a lot of these interactions, mm -hmm. but nobody's really changing opinions or, or moving the needle at all. No, and it's interesting, too. Like, even the day of the, the Mueller hearings, you know, like, I was talking to someone and, and they were saying, like, oh, what's going on? So it's like, it's like we all know, we've maybe all heard about Mueller, we've heard about the report, but there are still people out there who, like, don't even really know that the hearings are going on yeah, and that these other things are going on. So it's like, like you said, like, it's these people, you know, certain people are doing these interactions, but like, how is that affecting everyone? Yeah. The bigger, the bigger picture. What does it really move? Okay. Yeah. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. Uh, while I've got you in the chair, mm -hmm. uh, also wanted to, uh, to have you weigh in on, I can't remember what else I was going to have you weigh in on here. I just drew a blank all of a sudden. Oh, yes. Of course. How could I forget? <laughs> <laughs> because I forgot. <laughs> the Fortnite. The Fortnite Battle Royale at a sold-out Arthur Ashe Stadium. I mean, it oh, looked yeah. like we were ready for the final round of the U.S. Tennis Open. Oh, yeah. Big event. Big event. Tell us what, what, what went down and how in the world can that be a 30, was it 30 million in prize money? Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the, so, yeah, total. Total. total yeah, total. total yeah, prize yeah. money. Yeah, um, the winner was a 16-year-old kid. He had, he got $3 million, um... And the prize pools was like a million here, a million there. I mean, it, it's they've been building this for a while. It's a it was an esports event, World Cup for Fortnite, um, and it was it was off it was like off the charts. Um, I know, like my cousin who's twelve years old, he was like on his phone all weekend watching the event. Um, and they had they, like doubles and singles, yeah, and so, all, all kinds of things. Yeah, so in Fortnite, there's a couple different modes you can play, and there's one called duos, which is when you team up with someone, and then there's single or solos when you play with one just yourself. And they've had championship um, qualification things going on, just like the World Cup, just, just like, like the soccer. World Cup. Yeah, wow. and and they've been doing this for a while. And uh, this weekend was kind of the whole thing. Um, 
and uh, they broke records. Like they're like it's the most streamed uh, esports event on Twitch, which is you know a streaming app. Um, and then even like I just saw it was like two million total concurrence watching at one time, wow. which is just like it just goes to show that Fortnite's still like leading the way in terms of like um, battle royale games and kind of esports, and we're kind of transitioning into a new. Uh, generation of sports in a yeah. weird way. Wow, this is this is fascinating. And I I think the other thing we've got to address today is I think there are millions of parents around the world who are now trying to think what in the world do I say to my teenager? <laughs> because the line used to be you can't play fort you can't get paid to p- play Fortnite. You got to right. study, you know, you got to do your homework, you got to get ready, you got to get to college, you got to do all of that. And now you've got a 16-year-old who just walked away with $3 million yeah. playing a video game. I can I can hear the chorus uh, of teenagers around the world saying, Mom, I, I, I can't do my homework right now. I've just I got to work on my skills here because there's another Fortnite tournament coming up. Right. Yeah. Well, it's become like its own professional sport in a way like – so I think the way to approach that, and I'm not a parent, so I can't you know, speak to this 100%, but I think the way to approach it is like, okay, if your kid wants to go into that, you have to you have to commit as if you're going to be in the NBA, which is just as hard, which is super difficult. Um, so you're going to have to commit that way, hire a coach, hire, you know, train and go to practice. Are, I mean, there, there, are there really Fortnite coaches? Oh, yeah. The, I actually, I think I wrote about a, a story about this for the Desert News maybe a year ago. Um, is based off a Wall Street, Wall Street Journal report that parents are looking for ways to hire coaches so that their kid can get better at Fortnite, so they can cash in on either esports scholarships or um, you know these kind of tournament things. I mean, it's a it's a huge growing thing, and I think it's only going to grow. That's crazy. I, I think esports is like projected to be like one of the top five sports. Uh, yeah, I think in your article you also talked about the uh, the esports scholarships. Yeah, yeah. In colleges, tell what what is that. Yeah, so um and like the University of Utah is one of these. It's just, you know, schools are now opening these esports like programs mm-hmm. and so they're giving away scholarships just like any other athletic program where they're like, Hey, you know, come play for our school. We play like X, Y, and Z games, um, like League of Legends, maybe Overwatch, whatever it is, and you get on and you're on a scholarship just like just like a pro athlete. Wow. It's yeah, I I don't know. I played games growing up as a kid, and so now I look back and I'm like, man, maybe I should have like maybe I should have focused a little more on my on my Fortnite. Yeah, yeah, and then I would have, <laughs> then I would have got somewhere. But um, but it's cool. I mean, even like you know, the Utah Jazz have an esports team for the NBA 2K mm-hmm. series, and other teams have it. So it's like it's really growing in a, in a crazy way. Yeah, it is. A, it is a big deal, and uh, I also think that in addition to parents who have just lost a major leverage tool. <laughs> Uh, I also think you have teachers across the country uh, who are now equally saying, oh, my gosh, what what do I do now that right. we've got kids that are so focused on these esports and mm-hmm. uh, and Fortnite of all things? Yeah. And it's a different it's an interesting like uh, approach to things, because even with like esports, it's a lot of hand eye coordination because mm-hmm. you're moving your fingers, you're looking at the screen, you're doing this and this. And so like how yeah, how how will teachers and parents like still like preach the importance of education and all that when it's a totally different style of like learning and, and, and what you're doing. Um, I don't know, just kids love to play it. And so they're going to play it. But now that knowing that you can go into competition and make money. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Herb Scribner, 
Uh, as always, appreciate your insight on the interwebs. Oh, yeah, on a Monday, boy. All right, on a Monday. Great stuff. Herb Scribner from the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us. All right, we're going to step aside for the bottom of the hour break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a principle. The principle of trust as inescapable in our leaders. Don't go anywhere. This is Boyd Matheson on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back.